A white man? No! Welcome to The Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we're back with another Criminal Minds recap. Lots of good guest stars in this one. Did you notice? It's like stacked. No. Oh, yeah. It's like so many people in so many little parts. And I'm like, hey, I know that person. I know that person. I didn't recognize anybody. Oh, they're everywhere. Ah, I had to look them all up. I'm excited to hear who they are. (laughs) Because I'm going to say right out of the gate, I was very bored by this episode. It wasn't good. It It could have been good, and it wasn't good. No. It was very half-hearted. Yeah, they tried a little bit. Try is a, a, um, I don't know, giving them more credit than that is due, I think. Uh, We're talking about Identity, which originally aired November 7th, 2007, I tried, but this is another one where I caught myself looking at my phone and I had to rewind uh, and pay attention because I had gotten bored watching. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the main unsub guy that we meet right at the very beginning, is he someone? Yeah. He was in The Walking Dead and a bunch oh, okay. of other stuff. Um, Michael Cudlitz. Okay. He, he's just one of those people that's like also been in everything, but he was on The Walking Dead for a long time. I only watched that for one season because it mm. came out like right after my son was born and it gave mm. me such anxiety to yeah. watch it because I would just sit there the whole time being like, what would I do? I have this tiny baby I have to take care of. What would I do in this you'd, situation? You'd never like, make it. Die the baby would cry. Yeah. <laughs> I would just surrender myself to the zombies and die immediately because it would be miserable otherwise. Um, but anyway, this guy from The Walking Dead... Mm-hmm. Um, who has a scar on his face that he keeps looking at. And our, rubbing. And rubbing. <laughs> he loves to rub his mirror. scar. It's yeah. weird. And he's eating something. Is he eating sunflower seeds and eating the shell? Um, so later they say that the other guy mm-hmm. buys pumpkin seeds. Like okay. way later in the episode. Okay. But he keeps spitting something out. Yeah, and I was like, so if I'm this like, guy is eating the sunflower <laughs> seeds with the shell, I'm disgusted. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, are you eating pumpkin seeds and spitting them out for some reason, or are you eating sunflower seeds and spitting the and shell, spitting out the shell? But he doesn't always spit, so it's I know. And Nate eats the seed, eats the shell with the <laughs> seed, which I find abhorrent. We haven't gotten Wait, divorced what? yet, <laughs> but we should. <laughs> Let everyone know his dirty little secret. That's insanity. You're I know. To just suck all the salt off, right? And it, spit on the shell. it is like, is he a bird? The birds don't even <laughs> eat the shells; they spit them back out. That's how you know that Nate might be an unsub, is because he's been eating the shells just like this guy. Nice. Um, so yeah, this guy uh, gets spotted by the cops. He's driving um, just down this Montana back road, mm-hmm. um, and the cops pull him over. And tell him to get out of the car. As they start to approach the car, he pulls the pin out of a grenade and blows himself up. And what a of, way to go. One of the cops gets caught in the blast. Mm. Um, 
But then we cut immediately to the BAU where Reed is talking about Star Wars. (laughs) In depth. To no one who cares. (laughs) Um, Talking about the timeline of the Death Star build. Yeah. Like how long would it actually take? Yeah. What corporation... <laughs> manufactured the pieces for the we to get Nate back in here. <laughs> he would know. Um, but Morgan and Prentice are super bored and they decide to break all of their rules about profiling team members mm-hmm. and go into Rossi's new office to yes. snoop around. Where they make a lot of assumptions. They do. Um, but, you know, the biggest one is that he is Italian. Yes. And rich. Yes. Those are the two things that they, I'm like those, mm-hmm. that's literally the entire characterization we've gotten of Rossi so far. That's all we it's know. It's all you need him. to know. And it's like, they're like, ah, he, he's Italian. You're like, this man has marinara sauce in his veins. <laughs> <laughs> he is the most Italian. Yeah. Like, good thing you're on the job to check this out. He could only be more Italian if he was like Mario. <laughs> and he's pretty close to being Mario already. <laughs> he is. He's a caricature. Um, but yeah, they like decide he must be Italian and rich mostly just based on this one Renaissance drawing he yeah. has. And you're yeah. like, yes, because only Italians are allowed to be interested in art history. I yes, guess. naturally. And Prentice spends a lot of time reading into the taupe wall color. She says taupe so many times. Yeah. Just like, like yeah, like there's just a lot of a lot of nonsense. Yeah. You're like, it's just a neutral wall color. Yeah. Most I, people have neutral wall colors. I was surprised really that they would even, what is the point of having your office painted a specific color in a job like that? I don't like, know. Would they even let you do that? It seems so unnecessary. This is a I governmental know. agency. Like the paperwork you'd have to fill out just to like requisition paint or have someone to paint it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Seems like, and you probably couldn't have somebody come in and do it privately because right. like, they're required to use certain yeah. contracts and stuff. I just found it so odd that yeah. he was having it painted to begin with and then yeah, like they unless, were reading so much Unless into it's it. your office for your business that you own, you're yeah. not getting to choose the paint color. Right. <laughs> like you, you get to hang some stuff on the walls maybe. I don't yeah. know. But they, they can tell a lot about Rossi. Yes. Uh, but Rossi catches them in the act, but yes. he doesn't really care. He just tells them that JJ is all ready for them. Um, So then we learn that there's a serial killer at work in Montana. There have been four young brunette women who have gone missing. Um, The latest one, Angela Miller, just went missing that morning. Yeah. Did you recognize her? I did not. She is from Orange is the New Black. She is like, she worked for the prison system. Like she started out as an assistant and then she becomes the warden. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, they also tell us that the guy, um, who was driving her car, mm-hmm. so ostensibly the kidnapper, yeah. um, has blown himself up and the BAU is being called in because they think that she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is because we see her all tied up in some enclosed space with some yeah. air holes and she's screaming. Uh, so then we get our quote, an earthly kingdom cannot exist without inequality of persons. Some must be free, some serfs, some rulers, some subjects. Martin Luther. Mm. Rossi gives us that voiceover. Uh, on the plane, Reed is making a map for some geographical profiling, mm-hmm. which, whatever. 
Rossi says that he used the grenade because he wanted to be remembered and take out as many people as he can and while he's at it. I noticed that Rossi's now sharing his ideas aloud and not writing yeah. them down in his he's notebook. Lear- learning to be a yeah. part of the team. Team player. Yeah. Um, so he, they also talk about how there's a lot of militia people out that way and they all hate the FBI, the government in general, but specifically the FBI. Yeah, and it's like middle of nowhere Montana. Right? That they're yeah, going. Yeah. Yeah. Great Falls, Montana. Yeah. Everyone is like, they're calling us to Montana, Montana, Montana. Like, I don't think that's weird. Yeah. I guess, I mean, it's not, what is it? Like, this would have been like 10 years after Ruby Ridge. Yeah. And Ruby Ridge was Idaho. It was close to Montana, though. Uh, all right. Same, same demographic of. Just like they're treating it like it's the wild west. Yeah. Like, not all of Montana is like that, but there is a big. I guess Montana's a big place. It's very big, and not a lot of people live there. That's true. (laughs) It's mostly nothingness. Yeah. Um, So the sheriff tells them when they arrive that the cop who got caught in the blast is dead and shows them the general store where Angela was taken. Did you recognize the sheriff? I did not recognize the sheriff. Who's he? He's Jim Beaver. He was in like Deadwood, Breaking Bad, Supernatural. He's like in a bunch of stuff that he was like, he's on The Boys now. Have you watched that show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. Oh. This is how little I was paying attention to this episode. <laughs> it's the only thing I noticed about this episode was how they got so many good people in such a bad episode. Yeah. Um, back at the station, JJ is um, calling all of these local militia groups. And then I was like, how is she finding them? Do they have websites? They're like listed in the phone Guess book. Guess what? They do. I, really? I looked up militia groups in Montana and you can just, I'm probably on a watch list now. But yeah. A can lot also of, cold call them? A lot of them have websites wow it's like weird (laughs) um weirdly organized for militia yeah um but uh she's also she keeps calling and like immediately identifying herself as being from the fbi and then they hang up on her and she's like like rossi and reader book like (laughs) stop doing that and she's like why you're like are you so like oh my god read the room jj like what an idiot um so garcia calls she's got a hit on the dental records uh francis goring is the guy who blew himself up he was kicked out of the army and has a history of joining aggressive militia groups as opposed to the really yeah really calm ones (laughs) um the laid-back chill militia yeah um he also has a wife who doesn't really talk to him anymore or live with him and he also has connections with one of the militia groups based on a compound just outside of town Mm. so reed and rossi head to the compound where they go to the like trailer park manager's office or something. Apparently. Um, and we get the pipe cleaner with eyes line. (laughs) As soon as he walked up to the door, he's like, Oh, it's this part. Um, the guy isn't super keen on helping the FBI at all, but he is swayed by wanting to help the woman. Um, because they point out that, you know, this isn't about them. This is about a woman from their community. Yeah. Rossi has no time for this dopey trailer park manager. Yeah. Um, 
And the trailer park manager guy also tells Reed that he's wearing his gun the wrong way, that somebody's going to take it from him. He's not wrong. Which I <laughs> thought might come back later, but... Oh, no. It does not. Not in an episode like this. <laughs> no. Um, so Goring's trailer is really depressing. He yeah. just he has a lot of books about, like, medieval serfdoms yeah. <laughs> and stuff. And they're like, what a weird thing to be into. Um, we say as we... Record our crim- niche criminal minds <laughs> podcast. That's true. <laughs> I guess we shouldn't judge other people's hobbies. Um, Reed tells Rossi that he's read all of his books and asks him about Ruby Ridge, which Rossi is very clearly not interested in talking about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Rossi finds a stack of home movies, and they're all of Goring sitting on a chair in front of a sheet yeah. <laughs> hanging in front of a window, um, talking about like some futile nonsense about the weak being meant to serve the strong. And it just this episode is so obviously going for like an FLDS kind of vibe, right? But they don't go toward Mormonism at all. Didn't you find it strange? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was the like FLDS stuff or if it was more the. You know what it reminded me of is to remember the that whole thing with the the Bundys when they took over that bird sanctuary yeah. in Oregon. <laughs> it was like it reminded me of that whole nonsense, which was just that was the funniest shit. Maybe I just thought it would be more compelling if they went like full FLDS. Yeah, it kind was of just thing. like this is just so half hearted and yeah and dumb like that. It's dumb. Like, yeah. It's yeah. dumb. Yeah, not like a compelling story. It's like when you watch, like I just watched that, uh, the keep sweet, pray and obey yeah. thing. And it's just like fascinating and like under the banner of heaven and like just learning about like the structures and stuff of those organizations. It's just like really compelling and fascinating. Yeah. And like these jokers, it's just like, like a bunch of fucking idiots. Qu- and quoting <laughs> Martin Luther. Like, ugh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it was super weird. Um, but Prentice is also super bored with it. Yeah. Um, he says something about wanting to keep women as serfs to serve him and that his kingdom will someday become a reality. Mm. And Rossi says that his kingdom is probably a reality now. And then they wonder if the other women aren't still alive and just being kept as serfs or whatever. Uh, which would have been a good storyline. It would have, but... <laughs> it would have. <laughs> but that's not the storyline we get. No. Um, we do get an appearance from Goring's wife, who mm. has arrived and doesn't want to be here at all, talking to them. Is she okay. someone? No. No? Okay. No, sorry. That was the end of the someones, I think, uh, for okay. the most part. Uh, Prentice points out that all of the women that Goring kidnapped kind of look like her. Not like, really. And that, that they're... In that Brunette, they have white brown women. Hair. Yeah. Um, she says that the wife says that the militia that she's a part of, because there's yet another militia, um, kicked him out because he was abusive to her and she hasn't seen him since he left. Um, they're trying to get information from her. They mentioned something about nine acres and she tells them that her parents gave her nine or like left her nine acres of land when they died and that Francis forced her to give it to him. Mm. So she gives them the location, which is right in the middle of Reed's. Well, I was like, how could she even find it on Reed's map? Cause he like red sharpened over <laughs> that whole area all over everything. And she, She's like, it's exactly right here. You're like, you, how could you even read anything on, on that this map? black and white topographical map? That's just scribbled all over. Yeah. Um, so they arrive at Francis's kingdom 
where they find Angela's body laying out in an extremely shallow grave. Extremely. Like, where they, it's like four inches deep. Like she's just like laid out in it. And it's like, were they yeah. in the middle of digging, digging it? it? Still, I don't, why even bother? I don't know. It was so weird. Because they say that obviously she was like killed very recently and very like urgently because yeah. they knew they were onto them or whatever. But it doesn't make sense why they would dig so little grave. Like why even bother digging any grave? Just kill yeah. her and leave. Yeah. Um, so the body is still warm. The blood is fresh, hasn't dried yet. So they know that Goring couldn't have killed her and decide that he must have a partner. And Reed really, or not Reed, Morgan really gets in there with his ungloved hands too. Mm-hmm. I was uh, like, oh good. Yes. The partner, uh, we see is a young guy who has framed pictures of Goring all over his apartment and like he's you do. freaking out and it's weird. It's very weird. Um, so there's another local militia group, yet another one. Yeah. These are a third. I know. I'm like, this is like so many morons. Um, so they send Morgan and JJ to talk to the leader because they, they know that get sending all, all riled a up. black man and a woman will piss them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also tire tracks that they noticed and Hotch tells the police to be on the lookout for a pickup truck. In rural Montana. So (laughs) that should help a lot. We're Um, looking for a white man in a pickup truck in Montana. uh, Okay, that's... No problem. Three quarters of the population of Montana. (laughs) Um, Rossi and Reed are going through the, like, garage barn thing. Yeah. um, Which which is really clean. Weirdly (laughs) Cleaner than my house, maybe. (laughs) Well, I thought it was so strange because... They're like all worried about going into the house because of explosives because he used an explosive in the car. But they do not hesitate to enter any of the outbuildings. No. They they only have the caution for the house. Yeah. I was like, all right, bold move. Yeah. Uh, inside the barn, they find an empty gun safe, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, and they look at the... I don't... Again... I don't know guns, but they like immediately pick up a box of bullets and know exactly what gun he has. Yeah. And we're like, I don't know. I don't, Can you I do feel that? like that's true because you would have guns that all use the same ammunition. Right? Like, I, I don't think you could be as specific. No, like you could narrow it down to a type of gun maybe, yeah. but not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Prentice then finds three different rose bushes that are of different maturities, and one of them is really freshly planted and still has the tag on it and stuff. Um, and there's carrion beetles crawling around them. They're like, like in graveyards. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, but then Hotch is like, get some shovels. We need to start digging. And you're like, please, please, God, do not <laughs> do that yourself, Hotch. <laughs> like, this is. They can do everything. There's this no need not to call any ancillary you. teams in. Yeah. Um, luckily they do not, they leave it to other people, yes. but I was really worried that the team was immediately <laughs> going to start digging and it was just going to make me so angry. Um, uh, but Morgan and JJ go to the local militia's bar because I guess they have their own bar. Everyone's got to make money somehow. I don't know how this all works. Uh, the militia leader, his name is Harris and he doesn't want to talk to the FBI and he tells Morgan that he should hate the government even more than he, Harris, does because Mm -hmm. 
and starts like spouting off a bunch of conspiracy theories. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, what was the government ever done for your kind? And you're like, Ugh. Ugh, not good. <laughs> Did you recognize that guy? No. He was from the X-Files. That's kind of a throwback. Uh, yes. Um, so he asks why the team would have sent Morgan out of all of their options. And you're like, clearly to make you mad. That's why they did it. You know, I thought it was so strange because Harris Townsend is like, why would they send you and not one of the five other people on your team? Like, how does he how know? How does he know exactly? I yeah. guess they talk. I guess. I don't know. I thought it was very strange. Just yeah, like, because nobody's seen them all together right. other than the sheriff. And they have a new person on there. Like, their team has been in flux for a while. Yeah. So I just thought it was, like... Weird that he would know the exact yeah, like makeup the exact, of the team yeah. when all the rest of them are white men. Yes. <laughs> I also loved that when he started to get up to talk to Morgan, he, like, very intimidatingly wipes the singular spot on the bar with a cloth and then stops. <laughs> God. It's such a law and order move to yeah. have the guy they're interviewing they're wiping like, down a bar. We need some business for him to do this. He can wipe down the spine. It's like in between two customers. It's all very close quarters. Yeah. Um, uh, ah, so Morgan kind of just puts him in his place, shuts him down, tells him that they just want to find Goring's partner. And Harris tells him that the partner is a small guy who followed Goring around like his personal pack mule, mm. but they never really... Uh, got a good look at him and nobody knows who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the house, they find all of these like unspooled little mini videotapes with the women's name written on them. And Hotch decides to send them off to Garcia and Prentice and Reed go in the kitchen and they find a poster on the wall with the rules of the house written on them, Uh which are (laughs) all actions must serve to please the master. Mm -hmm. Insubordination will result in punishment. Any attempts to escape the kingdom will result in death. And the master demands cleanliness. Messes will not be tolerated and will result in punishment. Um, Which honestly are my house rules. (laughs) Which my children don't follow at all. And there's no punishment. (laughs) Because I'm too lazy to punish them. Um, They decide that the partner must be a serf. And like... He must be the one that's serving the master. Yeah. And they're like, so what could these female slaves have been for? They're <laughs> like, nothing good. Um, so they were for being tortured. Yeah. Yeah. So they walk into the bedroom and the bedroom is just like this weird wooden torture chair yeah. and a Murphy bed. That when you put it up, there's just a whole bunch of torture devices. Including the pair of anguish, which apparently Reed knows what it is. And I was like, I am not looking that up. Yeah, I actually, I listened to a (laughs) podcast where they were talking about medieval torture. um, And they were talking about like, that is one of those things that like, there's writings about it. But like most of like medieval torture that you hear about is not real. Like there's no actual evidence that any of it happened. It's just like stories that just kept like inflating and getting bigger and I, that's one of those things that I people are like that doesn't exist that's I couldn't not do a it. thing thank god yeah um but then there's also this little like trapdoor closet yeah thing and that's where they were keeping the women um fresh blood but yeah it's just like they didn't even really do the stuff in medieval times so you don't need to do it now <laughs> either because it's gross um it's not like you can go to a store and buy a pair of anguish. Like, where do you get that? 
Yeah, because they're like, oh, look at all of this. Because when they pull the bed up and all the stuff is like hanging underneath yeah. it. And then they're like homemade torture devices. And you're like, Are, is he a blacksmith? Yeah. <laughs> like this is, this stuff would take a lot of skill to create. And he, the like. There are a lot of like outbuildings on idiot. the property. Could be one of them is. Maybe. that's what That would help narrow them down. Yeah. Find out who they are. Um, but anyway, then we get our profile. Yeah, it's a very short profile this time. Um, Goring's partner is mid-twenties, 5'8", slight build, shy and retiring, but groomed by a separatist armed with assault weaponry. Like Goring, he is unlikely to surrender if cornered. His obsession with cleanliness and order is deeply ingrained, and this will be reflected in his home and his vehicle. We've located hair samples we believe are his, medium to short length and blonde. He's the submissive partner, but having just lost the master, the man he was dedicated to and heavily dependent upon, he's in crisis. And all this time, we are seeing him do his best goring cosplay. Yes. Where he's like getting himself. He dyes his hair, which it's like he doesn't know how to use the applicator bottle, no. and it really stresses me out. It's hard to watch. <laughs> he breaks a beer bottle and cuts his cheek so he can yeah. have the scar. Like, that's the only sharp implement you had in your house is a beer bottle. Like you had to. Maybe that's the and way. And it's not like a normal size beer bottle either. It's like a 40. Yeah. <laughs> it smashes it. Maybe that's it's, how Goring got his. And so he had maybe. to do it in the same way. It's so weird. But that's all we get. That's all the profile. Yeah. Um, so Garcia has unfortunately been watching all of the videos she Poor received. Garcia. Like what a shit day. I would like, not be okay. No. Um. Isn't there some like low level agent whose job it would be to do this and not Garcia? Uh, we see a clip of one where Goring like looks at the camera and he's like, never let the bastards take you alive. But then all I could think of was Moira Rose. Like, <laughs> never let the bastards get you down. <laughs> um, so anyway, she says that the partner was always holding the camera, so he's never on the tape. And Reed notes that the camera is always focused on goring, not the torture or the women. Yes, and Prentice says my favorite line of the mm. whole episode. Would you like to say it? Because <laughs> I don't want to say it out loud. It's just about how the camera is <laughs> caressing goring's body. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> It was gross. Why? I'm like, that was grosser than when Morgan said Halloween honey yeah. in the last Good episode. Good lord. I'm more uncomfortable with this caressing his biceps yeah um yeah she's like it lingers on the biceps <laughs> and you're like stop using all of these words immediately um yeah but then they decide that the partner must be in love with goring mm. huh. mm-hmm. uh so they go through his what his list of responsibilities would have been in the house and they realized that he would have had to go buy the roses. I was so mad it took them this long to get there. Especially when they noted that one of the rose bushes still had a tag on yeah. it immediately when they got like, to the house. Go look into the rose bushes. It's like, okay, so it has a tag on it, so go find out he where they bought it. obviously just bought it, yeah. Yeah, like they make, they make a point of saying that out loud and uh, then do no follow-up on that no. lead whatsoever. They had to save it for later. Yeah. Um, at the nursery, they interview everyone there, and someone finally remembers him because he works there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it took three separate people being interviewed before they were like, oh, you know what? That sounds like Henry, this guy who works here. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, like the first couple, like they're describing him and they're like, like they're just standing there like, no, no, right? that there can't be that many people that work there. Yeah. Maybe like, it's different. They're going to different nurseries. How many, <laughs> <laughs> how many nurseries can there possibly be? I'm trying to give them more credit. <laughs> Maybe. Um, they find a whole bunch of photos at Henry's house where he has burned his face out of the pictures. Yeah. This is not the clean beyond belief trailer they would describe to us either. No. It's a mess. Yeah. But whatever. But yeah, because, well, he's depersonalizing. It, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, they say that he's trying to wipe the slate clean and start over. But as what? <gasps> or like, Who? Obviously, <laughs> obviously the unsub, because uh, that's the only thing that makes sense. Because yeah. he doesn't know anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, we see him approach a girl at um, a very crowded gas station. Very crowded next to a parking yeah. lot that is just full of cars. And he's not suspicious at all with his giant bleeding patch on his cheek. <laughs> yeah, no one would look twice at him. Um, so he then shoves her into her own trunk and mm-hmm. steals her car and drives away. The owner pulls out her own shotgun, but decides not to shoot because she says she's afraid that she might have accidentally like shot through the car and hit the girl. Which fair you know, enough. Like, that is more care to the situation than the BAU would have given. That's true. Um, so she tells the team that the guy came in with, a, she says, a big-ass bandage <laughs> on his face. And that's when she says that he bought beer and pumpkin seeds mm. and then went out and sat in his car. So maybe it's a shellless kind of seed. Yeah. I mean, you can buy shellless sunflower seeds too, but I but can't, why I can't is, why get past this. Why does he keep spitting then? I can't get past it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's gross. Again, people spit things out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they look at the security footage and see that Henry is trying to transform himself into Goring. Mm. Yeah. And then there's like a whole, they do more, like, it's almost like they had to do more profiling of him. Yeah. They're like, okay, what do we do? Like, you know. Yeah. You're the master. I'm the subordinate partner. What do we do? And then they come to the conclusion they need to stop looking for Henry. And keep looking for Goring. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, you don't know too terribly much about either one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how about you just look for the car? Yeah, <laughs> that might help. Um, so Henry, we see him dragging the girl up the mountain. <laughs> it's like, with like, poor Henry. You feel almost so bad for him at this point because he, he has no idea what he's doing. He has no plan. He's like dragging There's, her behind him on a rope and then turning around to half-heartedly point the gun at her while they stumble up this rocky outcrop. <laughs> yeah. It's so dumb. It's so bad. <laughs> like, um, get it together, Henry. Yeah. Um, they, the team decides that he is um, looking for ideal land, which yes. is easily defendable high ground where the master would have lived mm. to, like, you know, survey his serfdom or whatever. Uh, he is going to some rock <laughs> from a picture of Goring. They're like, look at this rock. That's that's the best place. That's, that's where he would have gone. And you're like, that makes no sense. No. Of but course, that's the, where he's going. It's the one rock they have a picture of, so it has to be that rock. Yeah. Um, so Hotch tells the sheriff that they're going to need the best sharpshooter they have. So the whole team swarms to like an area 
kind of far away from this rock because yeah. they can't get close. Like there's no way they can approach because they'll get shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the girl is begging for her life while Henry ties her up. This that, poor girl. My name's Becky. Yeah. I was like, like oh, I teach children. <laughs> I have a fiance. And he's like, I, he does not care. <laughs> um, the team arrives uh, or the team um, is discussing what they're going to do. The sharpshooter arrives, and of course, it's Harris Townsend, the mm-hmm. bar owner guy. Yeah. Uh, the team isn't too happy about it, and Morgan's like, "We can handle this on our own." You're like, "No, you can't." No, you you can't. just said you need a sharpshooter, and he's better at that than any of you. Um, so, like, we know this guy's unsavory, but he's probably a good shot. So. Yeah, and he says, and he's willing to help. Right, so. and he's he's like ex-military, a yeah, trained he said he sniper. Was like a green beret or something. Yeah, like obviously, yes, you have to let him do this. None of you, despite your many accolades and yeah. expertise, actually can do this. Um, so while they're waiting, um, Harris goads Rossi about Ruby Ridge, mm. um, and he's like asking him if she like offered like or if he ordered the shot and if you were supposed to shoot to kill and like all of this stuff and it's like yeah they always they always shoot to kill like yeah. i know that's standard like i don't know that uh, john douglas talks about it in mindhunter where it's yeah. like if you've decided to pull out your gun you've but, already yeah. decided that you need to shoot someone and if you're going to shoot them you might as well shoot to kill which i don't necessarily agree with but <laughs> I'm not an FBI agent and will probably never be in that situation. Um, but um, Hotch is like trying to like hostage negotiate, um, what which I, is not working. Hotch is talking to his walkie talkie, but Henry is just shouting down from the top of the mountain and not using his walkie talkie back. Which is like, how can they even hear each other? Yeah. And like, what, how did he, they get the walkie talkie or the, how did they get it to? Him? I don't oh, know because no, they, they, they tuned into the scanner. Yeah, but how would he know what channel? I don't know. I maybe they tried a bunch of different channels and we just didn't see them. Like guess and check. I don't know. I don't know. It it didn't make any sense. But yeah, he's just like no, <laughs> <laughs> you'll never take me alive. <laughs> um, we uh, Rossi admits that he was at Ruby Ridge. Um, and uh, he then tells Harris to take the shot, which he does, and kills him immediately. Mm-hmm. And like the girl, shot through the heart. Yeah, the girl is safe. Thank so, God, Becky makes it. Yeah. Um, so they're standing there overlooking the mountains, and Morgan says it reminds him of Idaho. And Rossi's like, "Yeah, me too." I'm like, ugh. Oh God. <laughs> like, actually, Idaho was a lot greener, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Rossi bemoans the failures of the FBI at both Ruby Ridge and Waco um, and says that that's what made him think about leaving the mm-hmm. FBI. Um, and Morgan asks him again what brought him back. And Rossi says, unfinished business. And Morgan says that he's relentless and that he'll find out. Mm. You're like, yes, yeah, you will Rossi's when Rossi secrets. eventually just tells you. <laughs> Um, so my last guest star pointer out for this is Henry, which you would have no reason to recognize, but he is in a Candace Cameron Bure Hallmark Christmas movie. Of course he is. I knew you were going to say that. Called A Christmas Detour. <laughs> uh, he's a very small part and I didn't recognize him, but when I looked him up afterward, uh, I was like, <gasps> you're like, I've seen that film. I know A Christmas Detour quite well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yes, that's that. As yeah. far as Morgan, I guess, still doesn't trust Rossi and needs to know, I don't know, his motivations for coming back. Like, and what I do don't you think know? they could possibly be? Like, obviously, there's some case still bothering him that he didn't solve. Yeah. I don't have to know him better to know that. Yeah, it's really obvious. Like, there's no other reason for him to come back. Right. So, and he keeps saying unfinished business. You're like, okay, so clearly a a case. case. Yeah. It's like, don't they all have, I can't imagine that they don't all have a case Right, doesn't every law enforcement professional in, like, the history of time, isn't that the stereotype? Yeah. They have so, one. They can't like. And go. I don't the know why. Cold. Like Rossi's being so. I I can't remember. Like I kind of remember. What the case is. Yeah. But not exactly. Like. But also, I don't remember there being any reason why he would need to be so cryptic about it. Yeah. I, like they've all had cases where they didn't catch. The maybe bad he guy. just also doesn't trust Morgan or something. I don't know. Maybe. It's like if you're all so weird with each other. Yeah. Like if you are at Ruby Ridge, that's probably more to be embarrassed and ashamed about than <laughs> anything else. That's true. <laughs> well, we are adding two white men to our unsub tally this time. Yes. Uh, so we're now eight to three, 72.7% white men in season three. Um, and only seven episodes in. Yeah. Uh, we are now 49 white men overall. 83% for the series. So it's still overwhelming, overwhelmingly white men. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's not a lot to grade on this profile because it's really not much of a profile at all. But no. as far as accuracy, plausibility, and helpfulness. I mean, it was pretty accurate and plausible because they they actually had reason to think that, you know. Yeah. Like, or, or people directly gave them the information. Like yeah. when they say he's five eight, like at first I was like, wait a minute. But yeah. then I remembered that like <laughs> somebody told them mm. about how tall he was. I think it was Harris, like mm. at the bar, like mentions his like build and everything. Yeah. And, um but helpfulness, it's like it wasn't helpful because they ended up needing to look for another missing woman. Well, they needed to end up looking for Goring. Oh, not the yeah, unsub that they that's were true. profiling. And it wasn't the profile that helped them find him. It was his actions. Like he yeah. took another person and people saw him do it. Yeah, I don't know. They were like, you drove off that away. Yeah. <laughs> in the stolen car. Yeah, in this exact car, make and model. Yeah. So I like a four maybe. Yeah. It's a not, low one. Yeah. Just not a, not a great episode. No, and nothing really for Hotch Watch. Like nobody really did anything. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I was, I was underwhelmed. Yeah. Unlike the next episode, which is a great episode. Yes. The next episode is lucky. <laughs> yes. I'm and really excited for this one. Yeah. This there's is a lot another to one of those like iconic over the top ones. Yeah. It's like the reason why you're like, yes, I yes, love this exactly. show. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is, this is why I'm here is to watch these ridiculous episodes. Yeah. And also one of the, I, I would argue, one of the greatest guest star performances ever in anything. <laughs> because I did not even recognize who it was until like the third time I watched that episode. Yeah. Oh, we have so much to talk I about know, next so time. Excited. They had to give us this little bit of a break before, you know, we yeah. get into something as meaty as Lucky. Huh. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> uh, well, wherever you're listening, be sure to leave us a five star review. You can find us on Instagram at the unsub is a white man. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And until next week, we'll be hanging out at the militia bar.